It's the internet, you're busy, let's do this. Welcome to the Games Beat Decides podcast. This is the podcast where we decide everything that is happening in the world of video games, so you don't have to think for yourself. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is... Mike Minotti. In today's episode, we're going to go over some news, some games. But first, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, you can get uh, more from me and Mike at GamesBeat.com. If you have something to share with us, you can email us at GamesPlusPodcast.com or hit us on Twitter at GBDecide or at GamesBeat. If, you, uh, if, you, if you're listening to this on the website, you can always go ahead and uh, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all them beans. And if you like the show, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts. Um, it helps other people find the show. Finally, I want to thank Carlos Ayin, who is insane in the rain music on YouTube for the use of our theme song. Mike, how you doing? I, I mean, I'm doing pretty good. It's it's really cooled down lately here. It's definitely feeling like fall in Ohio. Alert! I don't care. It's episode wow. 100, Mike. Celebration! Oh, Happy anniversary! I, it is? Yes! I didn't know that. Whoa! I, I forgot that it was happening this week. I meant to, like, do something, oh but I'm gosh. too tired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. 100 episodes. Wait, we've done 100 of these? I think, honestly, I think we've done more if you count some of the, um, like, Game of the Year episodes and stuff. Man. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Mike, count these not the best. But we've done at least 100. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good stuff right there. Wow. Um, I think we've only only lost, like, maybe one episode in there somewhere. I think uh, most everything else worked out. There was that one where... um, where everyone was recording their audio locally except for Dean Takahashi, and so <laughs> I had to edit around that because I wasn't going to have everyone record again while I was traveling during Christmas time. That was yeah, a lot of good memories in there. But yeah, episode one hundred. Oh no, that I lose. So uh, that's our celebration. Now we're just going to do a regular episode because I'm very tired and I just want this to let's get this over with so I can go enjoy. Well, not really enjoy. We can do more work. Um. So yeah, uh, why don't we actually start with you, Mike? Really, honestly, I haven't had time for games. I've been like doing hardware stuff. So let's talk about games a little bit with you. What have you been playing? Yeah, I've been pretty busy uh, playing a lot of Black Ops 4. Uh, kind of been messing around with my friends. My two brothers and our one friend are also playing on Xbox One, so I kind of have a good amount of people to play that with. Uh, tried out all the modes. We're mostly really still just playing uh, the uh, kind of standard stuff, Team Deathmatch. But we've been yeah, doing a... That stuff's still good. Are, are you salty with your friends for not playing on PC? Mildly, the, the stuff that like games just run so much better on my PC. On my Xbox, like I don't know if it's with the Wi-Fi, like I'm always getting like little uh, sometimes hiccups. I'd like reset my router. Right. This party system is always doing something weird. Somebody's already always getting kicked out between mm-hmm. games or something else dumb, and I get annoyed and I get mad. But uh, I mean, it, it's it's fine. Uh, but I mean, the game's been fun. Uh, I, I, we actually won a group blackout game, so that was very exciting. And uh, we were playing zombies during that. Were, were you no, were like, I was okay. I like to I like to fancy myself the tactician during it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get shot at either. I just never, yeah. Like, no, I know. I totally know that. Like, just like, oh no, I was calling stuff out. I really helped I was my like, team. I was like, okay, I decided where to go, but then the other, yeah. My, my younger brother and his friend were doing most of the shooting. Uh, I think my other older brother I think they were all shooting except for me. But uh, I mean, it was it was fun. And then uh, zombies, we did that. It was fun. I didn't really quite know what was going on, uh, but it was a good time. And uh, but yeah, team deathmatch has actually been really fun. I I don't know why I like this more than almost any of the other versions of this on the kind of modern Call of Duties. 
but it, it's the probably the most I've been enjoying it since uh, like the 360 days, right? Kind of the kind of the critical heyday of the series, I guess. Even though sales have never slowed down. Yeah, it, it just seems like everything is uh, really solid, and um, you can kind of jump in and have fun with anything, no matter what. Uh, I mean, I'm never going to be a a zombies guy. Uh, it just has never clicked and it never will for me, but that's, I mean, it's there and it's really good for people who want it. It seems like, and then, but then there's a ton of other stuff to be doing at any one time. Um, yeah, it seems like a really great overall package. It's it certainly, even though it doesn't have the single player and I thought this would be something that would bother me, but it, it doesn't, there's clearly enough content right. here. Yeah. Um, do, do you think you're going to stick with anything in particular? Or is this just kind of like, oh, this is a fun game right now, but like Red Dead's going to come along and then... Well, knows? I mean, I, I think I might... Be, I mean, so much of it depends on just kind of if this group keeps keeps playing it, you know? Right. So it's kind of strange. Uh, I think they probably... It seems like they're probably going to stick with it a little bit. So I think I'll probably be playing it a bit. I mean, I'm still kind of like... I'm mostly just... Like, I don't play it by myself usually. It's like... if It's kind of like... For sure. So, like, even with Overwatch, I like that so much. I won't just play friends. I'll play that, like, alone still. This one, like, my friends want to play, sure. Otherwise, maybe I'll go into Hitman, which I've still been playing, or, you know, do something else. Yeah, and it seems like um, that uh, this game is, um, for the first time in a while, like, really hitting with the intent of being very good for people who want to party up and have a good time. Like, I think there's always been, like, this thing where, like, people sort of just lone wolf it in Call of Duty. You just go in there and you play, and you know, maybe if your friends if your friends are playing, that's fine. Uh, but in this like post Fortnite world, and, and like everyone getting headsets, and you know the headset sales are still out of this world, it's like people will want to be playing with their friends. And this Call of Duty seems really targeted toward that. It's really good for that. So yeah, that's what they nailed. Um, tell me about Soul Calibur though. I, I, hey. It seems like that might be a really good game. Yeah, I mean, if you like Soul Calibur, absolutely. I, you know, it's interesting because. They throw the the word reboot around, which is a word that kind of lacks definition anymore. It, and it like it is in the sense that like they're kind of redoing. It's kind of a remake of Soul Calibur One, uh, story wise and like roster wise. Even though there are some characters from the older games still there and, and whatnot, uh, I, I still struggle. To, it's not like much of a mechanical reboot. I mean, this like I pick up the game. And I can still play it based on just kind of what I remember from back when I played Soul Calibur 2 a lot, right? And not that there's anything wrong with that. I think that consistency is usually expected in, in fighting games. But, uh, right. right. I, I think the thing that this has, I, I, like Soul Calibur 5 was weird for a lot of people because it was the one that like tried to do the generation jump. Which other fighting games do, uh, like, like Street Fighter uh, 3 kind of did that. Uh, Mortal Kombat X did that, right? It's, it's like you're, you're playing with people's kids now instead of them. That's what Soul Calibur 5 was, right. but you put a gun in my head, I couldn't tell you the name of anybody from Soul Calibur 5, right? It's kind of one, one of those situations. Yeah, but. Those, yeah those, I, I, don't feel, I feel like those things rarely ever work out, especially for fighting games. People just want the characters they want, and that's... Mm-hmm. Like, it worked okay in Mortal Kombat, I feel like, but not, yeah, not so much in, uh, yeah. in this, but... Uh, Mortal Kombat has got that, that story that really kind of, they can introduce right, those characters right. and do a, do a lot of work with that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely fun to play. Uh, you know, Soul Calibur has always been really good at kind of being like 
pretty easy to pick up and play as far as fighting games go, you know? Uh, like, if you play, like, like the new game from Arc System Works, even if it, even like if it's that Dragon Ball Z game, which was a lot easier than, say, Guilty Gear, you're going to be spending a lot of time, like, seeing what people's moves are, pausing, going through the move list. With Soul Calibur, it, it, things kind of flow really well, and everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Like, there's here's the vertical attack, here's the horizontal attack. Mm -hmm. Push these two buttons together, it's probably going to do some kind of strong move or something like that. That yeah makes this uh, a bit more chill, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's like it feels like um, a good uh, balance between a party game and a fighting game, like something that people could just really quickly jump into. It's not, I mean, it's not like a platform fighter, but it is uh, no. more accessible. It feels like, mm -hmm. um, and, and it does have like a. Go I was going to ask, does this feel like a, a resurgence to the series in the way that like Tekken Seven felt like a resurgence Gosh, to I, that? I can't even. For some reason, Tekken has always been my one like weird like. Um, I just am not into it. Like I never, I never played in guy. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I've never played a second game. I don't know why. I feel like this one's definitely. I mean, it's going to do better than than five. Yes. Uh, right. In once it, it does have like a lot of single player options, which is nice. There's like two pretty substantial single player modes, which I think people are going to appreciate. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if this is going to be the the world's gi uh, biggest giant hit, but I think it's going to do pretty well for them. Cool. Um, anything? Anything else you've been playing? You've uh, been trying anything else? Uh, well, I've been actually. So you know, I played Mario three and I beat that. So right. I was kind of looking at the rest of the games in that Switch list, and I'm like, man, I still haven't actually beaten the original Legend of Zelda. So let's do that. So that's what I kind of did during during the last week, a little bit every night in bed, and uh, that was a lot of fun. It's that's a uh, big game, right? I mean, I think well, it's um, I think people, I think people have this. Uh, idea that it's like very very unrefined version of zelda i think it's like it was trying to do exactly what it did i think it just kind of um, is, is a bit obtuse for for the time and even now it, it feels like oh games would you would never make a game like this but i mean I, let me ask you this can you see the how this was an influence on uh, breath of the wild yes absolutely and, and you know kind of go to your point that was sort of my thing for a while was you know i played that game when i was young but i was pretty young uh so kind of going in in I would like play it when it was like on the virtual console or on my NES Classic Edition sure. for a bit. I'd be like, "Oh, this game maybe has aged too much. Maybe I can't appreciate it." And, and it's really not the case. You could totally appreciate. It. You still, oh, yeah. and it is obtuse, and that's the biggest problem. You definitely need to just play the game with like a map, right? Mm -hmm. But to be fair, that's kind of how people were playing it even back then, right? Everybody had their copy of Game Pro. It was like a no uh, kind of problem with the with the game. Mm -hmm. It's something that they that was like the big thing they fixed going forward. But it was still fun. I mean, going through the dungeons. It, it's interesting how much like there aren't really puzzles in the games. There's secrets and and a lot of clear like getting to the next room is just defeating enemies. And it, the game actually kind of bounces that because combat is harder. Like the the enemies are tougher typically, and also your sword. It's just that jab. It's not that sweep. That we're used to, right. and like Link to the Past or Link's Awakening, which would yeah, it makes it all a lot. Yeah, huge quality of life improvement there. Yeah, totally. But yeah, uh, I, mean, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I um, it's kind of the one I'm like chipping away at when I get some time. Although I did start playing Mario Brothers three as well. It's uh, that's a good game. Still. I, I but, am um, kind of uh, hoping that uh, we'll put Z Zelda two on there pretty soon because there's one I definitely yes. have not beaten. I think a lot of people have Same. it. Yeah, I've tried it's a like, bunch maybe of times. Maybe I could try to really do it. And that that the early part of Zelda Two is just so way way more obtuse. I've, it's just I've so confusing about what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I've never even gotten very far in it. <laughs> so, yeah, like, like 
I got serious about it the last time, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm gonna look stuff up when I need to because I just need to progress and like make some get some momentum going in this game so I can like get somewhere because people swear by it. They swear they love this game. Um, once they once they beat it, it's one of the secret best Zelda games. Like Shane Bettenhausen used to say on One Up Yours or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I would just like it. Just is I still don't really understand like what I, like how I'm, how I know I'm supposed to be going to any particular I think, place. I you just need to play with like a guide. I mean, because yeah, like the guy, guides yeah. again. That that game's even more combat books than the other ones. So it's not like the guide's going to make you. It's not like going to make you win. It just kind of right. tells you where to go. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and it just kind of help you understand like some of like the markers you should be looking for, or like how to get the information you need. Like you do need to be like talking to certain people and stuff like that. Like Zelda One, like and I liked it, but there are parts where it's just like, how could you even have played this game? Sure. I mean, like in the one dungeon, you can't get past a room unless you give this like monster that's it's just a room that's dark with the torches, like the shops, except it's a monster. Or like with the old man, it's just this monster. It looks like all the right. other monsters. You can even hit him, and nothing happens. He just says like growl, growl, growl. And what you're mm-hmm. supposed to do is give him food. Like, and you can right. buy the food from like a couple shops, and that's what the food does. And it's like, how would you possibly know that's what you do? It's like right. the one you time you have the, could go into. You wouldn't have the motivation to like buy the food right. like for any other reason. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, but so yeah, then there's just things kind of like that. I mean, I, I definitely don't think Zelda one's better than Link to the Past Link's Awakening. But yeah, no, they refined a ton of stuff there. I, I, there's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of like just raw, uh, awesome ideas in the original Legend of Zelda, and then in some of those raw edges that were really spectacular in certain ways do get they did get rubbed off with with the Legend with uh, Link Link to the Past and um, Link's Awakening, um, but. The, those those games are just so refined and so like just well paced and they like give you they give you chances to like have revelations and then like make a lot of progress and all that stuff feels so good that and, of course the context just better does, games the context does matter like it is interesting to play this game and think wow right. this came out in 1986 that's like really cool oh yeah and you kind of play it through that lens a little bit and it makes you right. appreciate it more there's just nothing like that at the time fun. right yeah. yeah it was like well yeah it's like it's like i guess it's where like this Obviously, this was like the, a giant deal when this came out. Like, how could yeah. it not be? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm glad that the Nintendo did sort of like say, "Hey, what, what 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 were we trying to do with this game, and how could we do that with a new 3D game and make Breath of the Wild just sort of a spiritual successor to that?" Yeah, yeah, you can definitely see that. You know what else I saw? Because then I watched some Zelda Spirits after this. Link's Awakening is like the most like direct sequel to Zelda One out of any of the other sequels. Just kind of just structurally, like it's the only other one where it's like straight up go to the eight dungeons and then you right. you go to the end. Uh, they're they just gosh, I can't even remember. There's just like I was watching it just and after beating Zelda one, I mean, it fresh in my mind. Even just like the map seems so much more similar. Like Tall Heights is right where Death Mountain is. I know that Death Mountain is kind of there, Link to the Past also, but you know, Link to the Past is doing that whole the two maps thing. Whereas the, again, the structure of Link's Awakening is just kind of a lot like what the original Zelda was. It's not quite as open. I think you can go to some of the dungeons out of order. And and the way that, the way they refine the ideas too uh, in Link's Awakening is, um, like more, more, a more direct evolution of what they were doing in the original Zelda. Like you, you talked about like giving the monster food and then there, there's the whole trading system in Link's Awakening where you are getting items and you have to figure out, um, like who needs them so you can get the next item that eventually leads to you getting like a, a more powerful thing at the very end. Like once you've traded every item in this line um, and it's like, 
there was a, a logical progression there where it's like they yeah where they figured out like what was wrong with the buying food for a monster thing they they softened they softened all those hard edges in a way that felt really good and you always knew you were looking for someone for this next item and you uh just like every time every chance you like scour the world every tra- every time you went into a building you're like Maybe this will be the next the next person I need to give the you know hibiscus flowers to or whatever. And, and so. some of those some of the, like the similarities were just real sm- like random small things. Like it's the other result I can remember. I think maybe some of the activities want to do where there's these sections in the dungeons where you go down. You have these two D sections all of a sudden. Like that's in the right. one and right. really only <laughs> ever like notably in Link's Awakening. Also, right? Yeah, a lot of. Yeah, maybe that's why I like Link's Awakening so much, just because it was like such. Link's Awakening is a great game. Oh, it's awesome! It's my, my, it was like my first like true gaming love. Like I always liked gaming before that, but it was like, man, gaming's awesome! Like this game is so good. Um, yeah, okay. So I, like I said, I haven't been playing much. Um, a little bit of Bobo, a little bit of uh stuff on the Switch, some classic games. Yeah. Uh, mostly though hardware. Um. Just trying to get some hardware reviews out because it's, I mean, it's that time of year where everyone's coming out with their new stuff so they can have it on, have it on the store shelves for the holidays. Um, one of the big things is the uh, 9900K from, um, from Intel. This is their new, their new like Ryzen killer. They're trying to compete with AMD and it's uh, an eight core uh, best gaming CPU ever. Um, it's super expensive. It's like uh, $580. It seems like what's retailing for. Uh, that's a lot of money, especially when you can get some really good gaming CPUs for about half that price. Um, that said, it really does seem very, very, very powerful. It's very good. Uh, you know, I've just, I've just kind of like had, so I had some technical issues getting it working just cause I was using a motherboard that apparently was, is supposed to work with it eventually, but it's not yet. So I had to get another one, but from my early testing, it seems like, uh, yeah, it's everything that, that Intel was promising in terms of gaming power. And then in terms of productivity, like if you have the money, and it's it's like no issue for you, and you're not gonna go like and get a workstation CPU that's like a, a Threadripper or a Core i9 X series uh, CPU. This is the this is the best one you can get for sure, without a doubt. There's just some better values out there, and that's the thing I've I've, I've sort of noticed. But but yeah, I'll have more on that next week. Um, yeah, and hopefully I'll have played some games. Um. It, Dean is going to have our review of Red Dead soon, so I don't know if we're going to be able to talk about that next week. So the review embargo should come up, so we'll see if we can get Dean on. Because I guess, well, I guess that's not until the middle of next week. Yeah, no, yeah. So we should be able to get him on. Um, that's the big thing I want to talk about in terms of games coming up. Obviously, uh, it feels like we are just kind of killing time until that game comes out at this point. So, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of an interesting time of year where it's like the fall is so busy. But then we got like this weird two week gap all of a sudden where we could kind of be playing whatever we want. And um, yeah, an interesting time. All right, Mike, you ready to get to the news? Let's do it. All right. I'm so ready, baby. Okay. Well, um, you better be ready because you're never allowed to leave work ever again. No. One hot 100 hour weeks, Mike. It's starting now. Let's do it. Um. <laughs> Good. All right. The first story, of course, is going to be that Red Dead Redemption 2 sort of uh, labor issue, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, so Dan Hauser, one of the Hauser brothers that runs Rockstar Games, which is the company that makes GTA and Red Dead, uh, he did an interview, which is a rare thing in and of itself, with uh, Harold Goldberg, of uh, who wrote the story for Vulture. Um, excuse me. And then he... Um, 
in this interview, one of the things he said was we were working 100 hour weeks. It was crazy. Uh, he was like listing off all these things about like just how hard they were working on the game. And he threw that out there just like as an example of, oh yeah, this is, look at us. Look how, look how hard we're working on it. Um, and, he, and it didn't seem like he thought too much about it in the story. Harold Goldberg didn't sort of, you know, like ruminate on that at all. It just sort of happened. And then they, you know, they talked right past it. Um, People picked up on that to say people were working 100-hour weeks at, at Rockstar, and that definitely seemed like what he was saying. Um, to follow up on that, though, Dan Hauser came out with a statement to sort of say, not exactly what I meant. I, uh, I People aren't working 100-hour work weeks. It's just me and a few other people. Um, here's the, the key part of the statement. I'm just going to read it. We obviously don't expect anyone else to work this way. Across the whole company, we have senior people who work very hard purely because they're passionate about a project or their particular work, and, and we believe that passion shows in the games we release. But that additional effort is a choice, and we don't ask or expect anyone to work anything like this. Lots of other senior, senior people work in an, in an entirely different way and are just as productive. I'm just not one of them. No one senior or junior is ever forced to work hard whatever that means. Um, I believe we go to great lengths to run a business that cares about, uh, cares about its people and to make the company a great place for them to work. And that was a statement that they gave to Kotaku. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Lots lot of facts. So, I mean, yes. you know, the, the interview is one thing because, you know, interviews can be tough because sometimes you say, you say things that maybe you didn't really mean or not in the way that it came across. Well, the prepared statement is kind of bizarre because there are a lot of just things in that I find problematic and that were kind of worse than the original thing. First off, the notion, the one that, that bothers me real hard is how he kind of equates passion with working hard, right? Like, you right. know, they, they only work 100 hours a week because we're so passionate. And he says like, we understand if other people don't want to work hard, which again, working hard is equated to passion now. So what he's saying is we understand if other people aren't as passionate as we are, right? Kind of turning right, it into yeah. this like backhanded, like, like thing, and it's like if, if I was working for a rock star, I would I would be feel like, oh man, I guess I better be working those extra hours, and they think I don't care. Right. Uh, I mean, the way ridiculous. it is worded is exactly exactly that. Like, we don't first force anyone to work hard. What? Work what are you hard. like? What? What are you saying? <laughs> like, yeah. Like so, like, but to me, it sounds like working hard is working is is crunching eighty to a hundred hours a week, a week, and then anything less than that is not working hard. But we don't force you to work hard, so that's okay. And it's like, well, I mean, people could work hard in, in forty hours a week for sure. You know, sixty hours a week is maybe maybe like still somewhat reasonable if you're really trying to get a project done. Like a lot of people do do that on their jobs for sure. Um, it, yeah, it does feel like one of the weird takeaways here is that uh, Rockstar. PR uh, doesn't really have like can't control the Housers, uh, which has been fine I think in the past because they just don't talk to the press ever. Um, but it does it just it seems like no one was going to be able to stop Dan Hauser from putting out this statement exactly like this uh, and say hey well well let us like go over the language a little bit because this just doesn't actually make anything better. Um, and, and you know this statement came out and um. I, I was wondering if people were going to buy it. I mean, it definitely seems like some people have, but a lot of people just are like, yeah, this is clearly damage control. Um, and, you know, of course, even the way you worded it, it sounds like plenty of people are going to feel sort of pressured soft. Yeah. Like they're not, it's not mandatory, but it's like a soft mandatory sort of, um, 
you're gonna yes, you're gonna feel that pressure where if you don't, I mean, come just, through if with your boss is working 100 hours a week, right? I mean, there's going to inherently be an expectation that you are too, right? Yeah, and it's and, kind and, of and, awful for the boss to do that in a lot of ways. That's why the boss also exactly. needs to make sure they're working a healthy, normal schedule so that their employees who aren't getting paid as much or not having nearly as many of the benefits as as these people do are also not ruining their lives on top of everything else. Right. Um, the Housers uh, aren't exactly a household name, but they are uh, famous because they they make the GTA games and they make Red Dead. Um, no one else except for Leslie Benzies, who sued them uh, because apparently he got too big for his britches and was like taking too much of the credit on uh, uh, on uh, for making GTA Online and then got fired and wanted wanted more money. Um, he's the only other name that like comes to mind when you think about people who are famous because they made these games. So, like putting that passion into a project is like okay. Some I could see some people doing that, but the they're not necessarily getting a lot of benefit for like throwing themselves into the gears of the machine here. Um, to, to produce these things, they are only getting what you pay for, pay them basically. Well, like the, the, the pay and the benefits is the entirety of the, of what they will see here. Their career m- might benefit in some other slight ways. Like they could put rockstar on the resume. Um, but I, I would imagine like, okay, that's good. But I, I would imagine like a lot of de- to in it, like a lot of development work would be just as good on most resumes. So but like to bring up like passion in your statement is a, uh, I don't know. It feels like a, a, a double-edged sword for the point he's trying to make or the defense he's trying to make um, where it's, uh, oh, oh they're, they're passionate. It's like, okay, well, I mean, uh, yes. So they're, so they're super passionate and they are doing these 80-hour work weeks, which is what, you know, from what I understand, that is what people are mostly doing that aren't the housers or whatever. The 100-hour work week is so, that's like. That's insane. Uh, yeah, that's just so much. Like, I, I mean, I, I can't think of the math, but it feels like that's like what, like six hours a night that you're like, can, you could possibly sleep, maybe. Um, but, but like, people are like, from from I've done some reporting. I'm trying to get enough to, so I can write a story. But from what I've heard so far, people are definitely sleeping at Rockstar offices right now, for sure. Uh, they are pulling eighty-hour work weeks. Uh, it does sound like many of them either believe or have been told that overtime is mandatory. Um, and this is something that they've. This is something Rockstar has uh, dealt with for years and years. Rockstar, um, like the Red Dead, started houses. this. Yeah. That kind of like one of the first times we were talking about crunch being this bad thing. Is this like this talk of like people bragging about how they're working extra hours used to be very common? It was like this, right? Right, which is kind of the thing that makes the houses seem sort of. I don't know, out of it, right? That mm-hmm. they, they, that's like in the first place, like, yeah, we're still but, talking about how yeah. it's cool that we're working overtime. But yeah, like that was one of the first things was Red Dead Redemption 1 was people were working like crazy and the conditions were real bad. And the people's, uh, the, the employees' wives like banded together to like, uh, right. I mean, what did they do? They made, a, was it just a statement? Was there more, there wasn't legal action, was there? I feel like there was like a website and there was, they were trying to get publicity, I think. And it was like, yeah, it was Rockstar or, Rockstar spouses, or um, maybe it was Red Dead spouses. I can't remember one or the other. Um, it, you know, EA spouses was another another thing like that. But don't think there was legal action. There might have been, um, but I would imagine that the contracts are worded in such a way that it'd be very difficult to like get any sort of uh, retribution for, for being forced to work so many hours or whatever. But um, but, but yeah, like I don't want to make it sound like. Um, 
working more than 40 hours a week when you are a salaried employee is always a bad thing. Like sometimes you got to put in the extra hours to get a project done. Uh, it's, you know, and, and sometimes you want to because you're, you're into it and you're excited and you want to do good work and that's how you're going to stand out and it'll be good for your career, which will be good for your family, uh, which will be, you know, good for your long-term prospects and it'll get you noticed. And all that stuff is, is, is a, um, a legitimate sort of, uh, issue of pride and, and survival. Uh, it is, um, What's what the problem here is it does seem like that Rockstar is taking advantage of a lot of people who who are young and feel like this is the only way to get ahead, and they are taking advantage of them to the extreme. They are implying that if you don't work as hard as possible for in in the in the statement, Dan Hauser said it was like a three week period and that's it. Um, again, I, I, that doesn't line up with what I've heard. Uh, I mean, on Red Dead Run, on Red Dead One, like they were crunching for more than a year, uh, and it does sound like that's what's happening here as well. Um, and that's just an in, <laughs> really mm, it's nuts. It's what yeah. If they're gonna do, you know, we have you know we have our big weeks too. I'm sure we're working sure tons of hours during E3 week. I, I wouldn't I'd do the math. I, I don't know. It's a but you know, we're working practically all day. And, it, you know, it's fine when it's, you know, a week here or there. Sometimes you understand it's the big week and you do it. You right. can, you even can get a little excited about it. But, yeah, you can't crunch for a year or, yeah, even, I mean, you know, a, a month, right? Like more than a week. It just gets insane. Yeah. And then, like, it's like right there. It's like, OK. So, like, what's the solution to that? Like, how do we get these companies to stop doing that stuff? And it's like you, we can't. Obviously, we can't because we've been talking about this for uh, more than a decade now, at least. Um, it, it's, and you know, with this one company in particular, uh, and the idea that you can like sort of talk them out of it or convince them that it is even in their best interest. Cause a lot of people will say, Oh, people aren't going to do good work. If they're working more than 80 hours a week, if they're working more than 50 hours a week, there's a plenty of evidence that it's detrimental to both your output and to your health. Um, so why would you do that? Why would you make an, an, an inferior product? And it's, and that is just not, that is fallen on deaf ears. They don't. That's it's never going to register with a company that's like looking at just numbers and counting the beans and seeing the black and black and red on on the uh, the ledger and saying, uh, you know, we got to get this game out. It's costing us so much money each day, and we can't just go out and hire a bunch of people because that would take too much money to sort of train them and get them up to speed. Let's just get this finished now with what we have, and that will, that means everyone's got to be working nonstop right now. Um, so the solution is like. Clearly, it's collective bargaining. We, I, don't, I feel like every couple of weeks, we are like you and I are like, yeah, people are going to have to unionize, and it just feels like, God, man, if it doesn't happen after this, if it, if like if developers can't realize that they can collectively bring their power together to at least just say, here are the terms at which we are okay with crunching. We want to have some say so in how this works. Uh, that's perfectly. It's not just like legal or fair. It's like it it makes sense that you would have that say so in in the work that you were you know you, the work you're doing, um, and it feels like it, it has to start there instead of working backward backwards from how do we stop these companies from doing this? It just has to be like how do we exercise the power that we would have collectively, and it, it hopefully developers sort of take that and run. I mean, it's if it doesn't happen kind of soon with the things going on this year, first telltale. And now this, it's like, is it ever going to happen? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, there's a lot of roadblocks in the way, you know, the, um, 
legislation around uh, collective bargaining and uh, you know union dues and union fees and stuff like that. That stuff has changed and made it more difficult. But a lot of these jobs are in California, where most of that stuff is pretty well protected. Um, they are in, in New York, where unions are pretty well protected. Um, so it, it could it could happen, and it, and and it just kind of the problem is it's like it can't just sort of happen on a one company basis. It has to be uh, almost a, a bit more industry wide for it to have the desired effect. Because um, you know the, the other the other option here is to like actually go through the legislation process and pass laws that protect workers. Um, that that seems I mean for now it seems like a non starter just because uh, you know every. The, our political system is so jammed up and incapable of producing anything of any sort of meaning. Um, but while that's happened, like if you look to film, the people making film are relatively well protected and they've done that because every job is a union job. And so it's like, okay, well again, you could ask the legislation to or legislator to use their power, or you could just exercise the power that you would already have if you just collectively work together. And yeah, I mean, it, it just seems so obvious that that is the best solution. And yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I don't know. Interesting yes. Interesting times, which is, uh, yeah, like the, that saying, like, uh, may you live in interesting times. turns out yeah. that's turns mostly out interesting, a, interesting times are, uh, overrated <laughs> yeah yeah in terms yeah like apparently that saying like i looked this up a while ago it's like that saying was actually sort of a backhanded sort of uh uh saying in that may you live in interesting time interesting times is like you know what i hope bad shit happens to you basically is what that meant so yeah hey it turns out that's what's happening um it's like, okay, it's like wishing somebody uh best luck in the future endeavors huh yes it seems that way um all right mike do you like old video games me, I've never been known to like those. Yeah, I wouldn't believe you if you said the opposite, which is what I was prepared for. Damn it. Um, <laughs> so you uh, did you ever uh, try the analog NT or NT. the analog Super NT? No, because I didn't. Because at that time, I mean, it's still now. I, I still just have no. all these things right. plugged in. <laughs> like I'm still good to go. <laughs> What is your what's stuff. what's your Sega situation like? Let's let's talk about that. I have my Genesis plugged in. Basically, that's my situation. Like it's good. To- well, how would you like a console that you could plug in that could play your Genesis games, but it could also play Mega Drive, and could also play Game Gear, and Ma- and Master System is that the old Sega system? Mm-hmm. Yes. Sir. And then all the variations of the Master System from all around the world. And a Sega CD, if you have a Sega CD system that you could pop into the top, how would you feel about that? That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, that's what's happening. Analog is making the Mega SG. This is their follow-up to the Super NT. And unlike the Super NT, which could just play Super Nintendo games, uh, the Mega SG um, is basically going to play almost every Sega cartridge system. And then the Sega CD, if you have an existing Sega CD, um, the only thing they're really leaving out pre-Saturn is is 32x support. It sounds like, which um, I'm not. I I need to kind of follow up with them and find out exactly why. 32x is real weird. I mean, yeah, just the, it's a wire situation was kind of bizarre. Right. It might it might honestly just be like a power issue or something like that. So, for people that don't know, analog um makes these really excellent sort of updated versions of old systems, which you might be saying, well, there's a million of those. I go to Target right now and get a Sega Genesis little system with an HDMI port in the back. And that's true. Um, the difference is that's that's software emulation, um, and that especially for Genesis, and especially with those little boxes, is always bad. 
the sound is always bad. The speed is always off. Um, it's just bad. So what analog does is they use these, uh, this, this technology called field pro programmable, um, what is it? FPGA. So uh, graphics array, I think is what it is. Um, basically what this means is that you can, uh, take a, a chip, a system on a chip, and you could flip a bunch of, 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 uh, of diodes and switches on it to make it behave as if it were a, a very specific kind of hardware. Um, and you could do this by just uploading software or firmware to it, and it'll change all that information. And so you can make this, you know, this chip uh, behave as if it were exactly like a Genesis. So it's, it's hardware emulation instead of software emulation. Um, but what that means is, is games should be completely accurate to the way that they were on the original hardware. And it means something like you can plug in a Sega CD and it'll work. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. I think it's, um, $189 shipping in April. Uh, it does like 1080p. It has all the features of the super NT and it's, yeah, it seems like a really cool system. I mean, it sounds is, cool for sure. Um, it, I mean, the, the thing that is really kind of, I think excites, excites me more than anything is like a way to play, Game Gear games in like a really high quality yeah, that's setting. True, that, huh? that, that, that I mean, the device is really hard to go back to. Um, the Game Gear was interesting at the time, but there was a reason the Game Boy won out. That Game Gear screen is rough, rough to look it's at. Bit, yeah. So it, it's kind of. I, I think it, I, this is a really smart thing. I, I wonder, like, what I, are like the five best Game Gear games? No, I don't know. I, they're like Sonic ones that were pretty cool at the time, but like, right? Maybe they're still fun. You play them now, and it's like so zoomed in, like the resolution right. is so low. Same thing with like, it's like those playing those those Game Boy Mega Man games. Like you walk yes. three feet, and all of a sudden, an enemy is touching your face. Yeah, I, that it was a weird time for games when they were doing that. I, rem I remember like hating a lot of that stuff at the time, and then just growing to hate it more over time. Um, and then just your hate intensified. Yes, exactly. My hate intensified. I didn't. I never let it go. I just got madder. Um, so we, we, it does feel like um, with a Sega sort of version of a Super NT, you kind of did have to do something like this. I don't know if they could get away with just supporting Genesis. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, you kind of spruce it up a little. Like it, it, like even just like kind of looking online, if like you go to YouTube and you look up like the re retro gaming scene, uh, Nintendo stuff is still thriving and Sega system. Like there's still plenty of Sega fanboys and Sega fans, uh, but the, the sort of um, the thriving passion isn't quite as as in, as intense. Or like the people making Sega specific videos just aren't getting as many views and aren't making as much money as the people who focus on Nintendo. Um, so if you spread it out a across a bunch of different Sega systems and really sort of like say, this is the entire pre 32 bit, like history of Sega on, for, from one system, that's uh, a really excellent way of doing things. Um, I do think, I, I hope that their custom firmware stuff, like they're the jailbreak firmware that comes out for these things every once in a while is maybe a little bit more supportive than the last one for the super NT because um, for the Super NT, and this is with this firmware, this means you can like put games on an SD card and play them instead of like going out and getting every cartridge, because that's how the, the analog systems work. They're not like an NES Mini. Right, they're where, not plug and plays. Right, exactly. There's not 30 games built in. There was one game built into the Super NT that, uh, or two games, Super Turrican and Super Turrican Two. Oh, yeah. um, but for the most part, um, you're going to have to like go out and get cartridges. But with, with the Super NT, you could get the jailbreak firmware, and it worked except for with the Super FX games, which I never understood. Like, you know, they did all the work to get Super FX games working on this system. No problem. Like Yoshi's Island, like looked really great 
on uh, on the Super NT. But if you try to play it off an SD card, it just didn't work. And for me, like I do have my my Yoshi's Island, uh, my cartridge. Like that's one of the few cartridges I definitely brought with me when I moved from Ohio to Denver. Um, but even then, it's like it's just not that convenient to like go out, go up in my closet and get my games if I want to play them. I just sort of want to have them on the system. And I hope there's no issues like that with this because if you're gonna have a ton of different support for a ton of different systems, and and the one thing about this is you have to have uh, uh, cartridge adapters for everything except for the um, Genesis and the and the uh, Mega Drive. So so yeah, I, again, just a, a matter of convenience. Like I love that they're doing all this work to like preserve old games the way they play, but it's uh, yeah, make it convenient as well. So we'll see. Um, will you be getting this? Probably not right away. No, mm-hmm. it's still kind of expensive. I, I, I mean, I guess it's oh, yeah. odd. I guess I for mean, sure. it, it, I'm sure that's what it costs. It's just, I, I mean, I can play these games right now. Right, and you're playing I, on the. F- I, I have a, I have a Genesis and a 32x and Sega CD. You know, right, and it's all they're all plugged into like a, a 480p screen, right, or 480i, right. whatever it was. Yeah, I still have like, yeah, I literally have like an analog, like an old TV, CRT, a CRT TV, right. just so I can play all my old video games. Right, so. and and then, and those games still and will forever look great on on those TVs. Uh, one of the big things, like the reason this stuff matters, is because analog can make it look. Um, make it look bright and make it look good on a modern 1080p or 4K display, which is something those old consoles really can't do unless you modify them or get really expensive uh, uh, supplementary hardware like an open source uh, scan converter. Um, and that, that could be way more than an analog a- a Mega SG. But still, you're right, $189. That's a lot of money. That's a lot. That's fun. Um, okay, Mike, have you uh, been reading your PlayStation PlayStation messages recently? Heck No. I don't know when the last time I got a PlayStation uh, message was. I, I, I think I turned it off after I was <laughs> I kept like the only things I would ever get were spam messages. And it turns out I'm pretty smart for doing so because uh, people were sending messages that would like soft brick your PlayStation 4 if you just Oops. opened them and read them, which is a crazy thing. Yeah, uh, right. How's that work? Yeah. But you, the best part is like how people are using these. If it's like someone killed you in a multiplayer match um, and you were feeling salty. You could just send this message to them. You just and break they would, their system. And it would just break their system and you would see them go well, online. I would, would show them. Man, how satisfying with that? I mean, it's really shitty. It's awful. But. <laughs> it's awful. But, man, that would be like if I was like in like a really bad mood and I did that, I would be like, man, I'm like walking on cloud nine right now. Jesus. Um but the, too bad. You're such a bad uh, person, Jeff. I know. I know. Hey, for real. I know. And I know. <laughs> um, Sony has fixed it though, so uh, too bad. Uh, this is not not a viable option anymore. I just I, I haven't looked into this too much. I wonder like how it even worked. I wonder if it was just like a matter of like certain Unicode t- like text options that eventually just broke. I, I mean, who knows? This is just, it's such a weird a, con- a weird concept though. So who knows? Um, but yeah, Sony has fixed it, and everyone who was affected, uh, there was a pretty simple me- method to uh, get the PlayStation Four back up and running. So good news. Um, good or disappointing news, Jeff. I mean, I'm disappointed, but <laughs> I'm a bad person, so let's just work yes. back. Yeah, yes. And so it's good news because, yes. All right. Oh. Um, how do you feel about murdering Sean Bean? You know, why not? <laughs> well, good <laughs> yeah, luck. That's good news for you now. Again, uh, Hitman I, look, 2. I like one of my favorite movies is one of the few ones where Sean Bean is a bad guy and doesn't die. <laughs> National <laughs> Treasures. So. No, that's right. God, yeah. Man, that's so weird. Um 
Yes, so he is going going to be the first elusive target in Hitman Two, uh, which is just a really good idea. They did some stuff like this with um, the first one, where like they had you could vote to either kill um, Gary Cole, uh, who's like the boss from uh, uh, Office Space, um, or uh, God, what, what, the crazy the crazy actor guy with the teeth. I can't remember his name. Uh, it doesn't matter. But you, you people got to crazy, vote. Yeah, but Shemmy. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Buscemi. No, no, and that's acting. wait, no, and that's Steve Buscemi. Uh, oh, fuck. I'm just gonna look it up. He's from um, Point Break. Man, I don't know Point Break. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going crazy. Gary Busey. There we go. Oh. So yeah. yeah, so people voted for Gary Busey. Oh, the giant. Yeah, the real intense. Teeth. Yes. Yes, intense teeth. Is the, that's the word I should have should have used. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad to see they're bringing this back. And Sean Bean's perfect because, of course, he's known for getting killed in almost every role he's in in movies. Uh, he always dies. Um, I, I wonder if they're going to – I wonder if, like, so they make it very easy to kill him because he's the first elusive target or if they make it, like, nearly impossible, which would be pretty <laughs> funny, I think. Uh, it would be a really good way of doing this. Um I, I think that's exciting stuff. I love the elusive targets. I'm uh, uh, kind of just like I'm glad that like they've are they're already giving you reason to get super excited about the way this game is working. So yeah, good for them. Um, moving on to Call of Duty sales, uh, according to Activision, this was uh, their biggest day one digital sales in Activision history, which sounds like a lot of modifiers. Um, well, I, you know, it's interesting because the press release they sent they, it said. Uh, Black Ops Four made five hundred million in its opening weekend. That they love right. talking about opening weekends because you can yes, compare it to Hollywood, right? But what's weird is, I mean, that's exactly what they said for World War Two. So there's actually, in terms of money made, there's not an increase, which, which is a little weird. But then, then, like, there's all these other things they can tell, like the digital sales. Uh, PC is way up, right. and it's kind of weird. How could PC be so much? It's like more than double, and still ultimately like you're not uh, like seeing an increase in revenue. And I think all, all of those um, red flags that you're pointing out, or at least like um, sort of questionable, like things that make you go, Hmm, um, you're not the only one doing that. It seems like the, that uh, investors in wall street did, had all the same questions because since this announcement, uh, Activision stock has gone, has dropped more than 10%. Uh, and it's gone down uh, consistently. Like it was a huge drop. I think yesterday, uh, and it's, it's consistently gone down today as well. So uh, investors are like, oh, that's the 500 million. Huh? That's great. It's not enough. It's not good enough. We expected more from this game and maybe it's not going to meet it. So, yeah, um, it, I, I don't think I, my hunch here is is that Bobo is going to be such a long term success and it's going to be such a microtransaction success that uh, Activision is going to be just fine. But these like early day sales, which are still very important to the success of that series and, and to the viability of that series long term, um, yes, there I'm sure there's stuff to be disappointed about. But they're, I think they are absolutely going to make it up on the back end, and they're going to continue to sell this. And they always have the option to like make Bobo free to play, and and break it out, and make it its own live service thing, which would just probably also be huge. Um, who knows? I, I don't. We'll, we'll see. But uh, I think they're going to be just fine in terms of making money on that game uh, throughout the next, you know, twelve months. Um, last story: uh, the Discord store beta went live for everybody. How many games have you bought on Discord? <laughs> None. <Mike? laughs> I didn't even know um, this happened. This is out. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, if you, so if you uh, go, if you press like the home button on the top left, there's a Discord. home on my Discord. I've never been to, I like never go to Discord home. You know, you know that. Okay, so I, I, I think the store is a good idea, uh, but I'm, I recognize it's going to take a while for anyone to feel like they're going to buy games on there. Um, but that activity tab on the on the homepage there, where you could see like what your friends have been playing recently or what they're playing right now, um, that is like the fastest way to get apprised of like what your friends are doing like in that that evening. Like if you were like, um, oh, I've been working all day. I haven't had a chance to like check Discord messages or anything like that. I wonder if everyone's playing Rainbow Six Siege right now or whatever. You like you go in there. You can go into the Discord and like ask, or you can go look and see if there's people in the um, like one of those chat rooms or whatever. Or you just go to the activity tab and it just shows you what all the people that you interact with the most are doing. And that's been super useful. I really like that. The store obviously builds on that because now you can look at the activity tab, see what your friends are playing, and then buy that game. So you can see how the through line works where they have logically created the situation where people uh, might want to buy a game through their store. And I think it's a good idea. Um, I think it, it should work in the long run. Um, Maybe the more interesting thing right now, though, is uh, Nitro, which is uh, their subscription service. Um, this is something that they've had for a while. It was $5 a month. They now have a $10 version, which also gets you a subscription to a bunch of games. Um, and uh, most of them are games that if you've uh, had like uh, the Humble Monthly Bundle, or if you have bought like any recent Humble Bundle, um, chances are you have a lot of those games. But there's a lot of them in there. And if you don't, or if you just like started using Discord because of Fortnite, and now you're like you want to get into PC games more, this sort of gives you an option to do that. So you're gonna you're gonna subscribe, Mike, ten dollars a month for your uh, Discord Nitro games? Uh, no. <laughs> cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice sales pitch, though. Yeah. No, I don't. I I think it's uh, some smart stuff. Really, I just want to see. I, I'm I'm interested in, in in seeing if anyone can compete with Steam at all. Um, obviously Blizzard has Battle.net, uh, starting to put more Activision games on there. Who, who, we'll see what happens there. Maybe Epic could use the Epic launcher to put some more games on there. Um, Origins is going to continue to just be what it is. Um, I don't know. It just feels like Discord feels like it, it has the best chance of, uh, of taking them on if they can make this sort of lo that logical progression work. Who knows? Um, I, real quick, I didn't put it on the list. Um, but we should we should talk about it since like since I was just sort of like making a sales pitch for for Discord. Discord uh, made some changes to its uh, terms of uh, terms of service this week that basically said you can't sue them and you can't join a class action lawsuit against them. Right. And they're um, instead what you could do is is uh, have a thirty day binding ar arbitration thing, which is basically like you go there and there's like. Uh, uh, technically, I guess, law, like legally a third party there between you and the company and you guys work out disputes one-on-one. -on -one. Um, if that sounds shitty, yeah, it is. It's And it's something every major cor U.S. corporation does. Uh, this only applies to U.S. residents. If you're outside the U.S., you still have every right to sue Discord. Um, pe people are mad about this, and, and rightfully so. Um, but it, it, it's I think it's more complicated than, than the way a lot of people are making it because... It is not necessarily Discord actively trying to be evil. It is just them working backwards from just how um, broken a lot of the legal system is. And, and there are a lot of superfluous um, class action lawsuits in the U.S. Uh, I, I think you could make the argument that, that, okay, that should keep a lot of companies in line, right? We need something to keep them in, in line. And I think the counterpoint to that is 
does it look like any fucking company is in line in the United States? Like, come on. Like, they are all doing whatever they want, and class action lawsuits aren't stopping them, and then they still have this option to just do this to, to force you into arbitration. And this feels like it's just going to have to... Regulators are going to have to stop, step in at some point. The legal system, or the you know, the the legislators going to have to step in, make new laws to you know to to maybe streamline the class action lawsuit system, and then at the same time take away companies' right to take away your rights, which is yes, absolutely insane. Um, I would I would want Discord to not make this change uh, if I could get my way, uh, but. Operating but a company wishes were fishes, Jeff. Yeah, and operating a company in the United States is 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 spooky. I get it, and you don't like a class action lawsuit is not going to necessarily help the people that that are suing, uh, but it could destroy a company. So I, I guess I get it to a point. All right, uh, Mike, that does it for the news. Why don't we go ahead and get out of here? Okie dokie. All right, first up, why don't you tell people where they could find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Tolkoto T O L K O. T.O. Uh, I'm also doing the Exploding Barrel podcast every week. Exploding Barrel, or excuse me, ebpodcast.com. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. Oh, yeah, and I'm Jeff Grubb on Twitter. Uh, YouTube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb. Twitch.tv slash Jeff Grubb. Um, yeah, I'm going to – I should have a more thorough review of the 9900K real soon. Um Got a bunch of other stuff happening. I'm using that Scuff Vantage controller, which Scuff, I, yeah. That, so Scuff's like that esports game, like controller company, yeah. And it basically, it's supposed this is supposed to be the PlayStation 4's Elite, right? Um, oh, right. It's right, it's right. not. It's no. it's not. It's it. There's there's some problems. Uh, it, it for it, it doesn't feel great. And then there's a big dead zone on the analog sticks. It's yeah. I'll have some more to talk about. That. I think they might be able to fix a lot of these issues, but but we'll see. I'll have that next week. And then, yeah, like I said, the review from Dean should go up uh, on on Wednesday for Red Dead. Um, game comes out, I think, next week as well, right? So, That's yeah. crazy, man. Yeah. This game's going to be a thing. Yeah, it's... Uh, so yeah. There'll be a real game Late next playing. week, right? Maybe, yeah. So, Something next like Friday. That. Yeah, sure. Yeah. What, why do I look like the reviews editor? I think I know when games are coming out. <laughs> so, we'll see if we can get Dean on here to maybe at least talk about it for a segment and kind of give us a... All we need to know. That'll be pretty fun. We can sort of grill him on that. We, I, I don't know if you or I are going to cop- get copies before it comes out, but we'll see. Maybe we will. And I'm, I'm feeling the same exact way. So we'll have to talk to Dean. And darn it, oh, darn it, have to have Dean on here. Dang it, um, no. Dang it, no. Okay, everybody, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. Have a good one. <laughs>